Mr. Robot Season 1, Episode 10, Zero Day is over and has been for a while, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps, our Mr. Robot Rewatch Podcast here. Robot Road is basically over. This is the final episode of Season 1 for us to rewatch and rehash. We are bringing you this podcast three days after we have blacked out. We have no idea what's happening. Suddenly we are living in some sort of weird dystopic apocalyptic world, Antonio Mazzaro. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Can't you feel a zero day, Josh? This is where this is the new world that we're living in, a nuclear era, a new world order. Everything has taken over. Things have changed, Josh. Things have changed dramatically, but yes. some things have stayed the same. Like you and I are still speaking into microphones and spending a lot of our waking hours is doing such a thing. Yes, we haven't swapped genders like certain characters on this episode, uh, maybe representing differently. We're not doing any of that. No, that hasn't happened. Neither of us has disappeared. No, not that I recall. Not, well, yeah, we may have lost some time in there, right? I, I, have you, uh, have you, I, go ahead and take a cafe latte, Josh. It's on me. <laughs> I was going to say that I got punched in the face at a cafe the other day. Yeah, well, that was unrelated to anything that we've been doing, though, I think. No, no that was separate from your Yeah, you were at Ron's actions. Coffee, right? Yes, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> where I was. Oh, boy. That is exactly where I was. All right, enough goofing around. Let's get down to brass tacks here. Let's talk business. Business here. We are finally at the end of the road of our rewatch project here on Post Show Recaps, running through every single episode of season one of Mr. Robot before we hit the July 13 season two premiere of Mr. Robot. We are dang close to that event happening, and it's very exciting. And here we are talking about this final episode, which is a cluster F. It is a cluster F society. It's, <laughs> it's a very, very big, weird, bizarre closer to a very big, weird, bizarre se- uh, season of television. Yeah, you're you're already appealing for a hashtag. I like that. Uh, we have been doing, we're at the end of Robot Road. If this is the first episode that you've listened to of our Mr. Robot Rewatch podcast, highly recommend that you go back and listen to what we've done in the past. Josh, how can people subscribe to what we've been doing? They can subscribe with a very easy link, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Mr. Robot iTunes, you can subscribe there. You can also subscribe to our main Post Show Recaps feed at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. We'd appreciate if you did both, but especially if you subscribed to our Mr. Robot feed. That's only going to help us rise in the rankings on the iTunes and maybe get some new people listening to this here podcast. That would be a fun thing. Yeah, it would be great. We would love to uh, have as broad a listener base as possible. Very thankful for those of you who have listened, sent in feedback, commented on our post, tweeted at us and done all that. Uh, people that have left reviews on iTunes, that's also great. That helps new people who are uh, who haven't listened to any of our post recaps podcast who haven't listened to this podcast it helps them make the plunge take the plunge and make the decision to kind of dive in to listen to what we're doing and the more perspectives we have uh sharing information with our podcast giving feedback sending in questions the better off i think the final product ultimately is so subscribing to our podcast uh, leaving reviews on itunes that helps us because that's how itunes registers what podcast to feature and that's will that will get more eyes on the show for sure so would very much appreciate you doing that but if you've been listening throughout you know that throughout we've been separating these podcasts into non-spoiler sections where we talk about the show as if we're watching the episode for the first time and then at the end of those podcasts we get into the spoiler sections where we talk about the events of those episodes from the perspective of having seen the whole season josh there won't be a spoiler section on this episode there will be no spoiler section in this episode there is no longer a reason for the spoiler music r.i.p spoiler music that is 
Oh, which that's is, my favorite part. I know. It's a shame. It's gone. Maybe we'll I'm find... Just gonna pl- I'm going to play it right now <laughs> while we're talking in the background of my headphones. Okay. That's that's going to be an interesting way to podcast. I hope that you can focus. Uh, but no, that's, that section is gone because this is the end of the road as far as we know. Yes. Uh, se- season, I feel fine. Season two is around the corner, but we have no idea what's going to happen in that yet. So, uh, yeah, no need for a spoiler section. We're just talking everything through straight up at this point. Talking robot. Yeah, gerund noun. Yeah, we are, we, we are just going to talk. We all have the same perspective. We know more maybe than Elliot does, but maybe not a lot more. And Elliot probably knows a ton more than we do about things that have not been portrayed on the show as of yet. So we're all similarly situated. If you've watched the whole season, you know as much as we do at this point. But we're going to break down what we know in the context of having rewatched everything, really gone over everything with a fine-tooth comb. And we're going to hit a lot of that on this episode for for sure. This also won't be our last Mr. Robot podcast before season two kicks off, will it, Josh? No, it will not. We will do a season two preview show at some point in the very near future before season two launches proper. So we are not done yammering on about Mr. Robot before season two begins. Plenty yeah, more to come. We'll dive into this episode and let's get to that. But we're going to leave a lot of the uh, what are we looking forward to for season two? What are the big storylines? That kind of larger discussion about the season as a whole. We're going to save that for our introduction podcast, uh, kind of the the teaser for season two that we'll do before season two drops. All right, well, let's talk about teasers. Let's start this episode off with a cold open with Krista and Lenny? Lenny, Lenny Michael, yeah, Michael Lenny, Michael, Michael Lennison, Lenny? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't know, he didn't look like a Lenny to me, this guy. No, no one looks like a Lenny to me, except for maybe like uh, somebody from Of Mice and Men. Or of Lenny and Carl fame. Oh, well, that's also possible, that sure. <laughs> yes. another type of Lenny that I'm really into. Yeah. Uh, but here we go, <laughs> we start this episode off, I mean, we ended episode nine, the big, big, high-stake event of episode nine of Elliot finding out that he is Mr. Robot and having this encounter with Tyrell Wellick, who, by the way, we are not going to be seeing in this final episode of season one. Well, we'll that's debatable. We'll, we'll, we'll talk all of that we through. Might, we might see him at some point. We'll, we'll talk that through. Um, but there's, you know, this, all of these big events that are happening at the end of episode nine. And here we are starting off episode 10, the season finale with Krista and Lenny. <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. for a brief moment, it's kind of like, why are we paying any attention to this? Why is this storyline coming back? into the mix certainly among the the lowest possible bets if you were placing bets as to how season 10 or episode 10 was going to open i think krista and lenny would have been at the bottom of your bet list no one was going to get that on the bingo board yes Uh, and yet here we are yeah here we are and he's he was known as michael now we know him as lenny he is the guy who was dating krista in the premiere episode of mr robot Mr. Robot, uh, or Elliot rather, he handles that situation pretty efficiently, gets Michael out of the mix, steals his dog, uh, and now Lenny's come crawling back to be like, it's that kid, you know, he's been doing all of this stuff, he hacked me, he ruined my life, uh, we gotta stop him, my life would be fine if it wasn't for that meddling kid. Yeah, look, Lenny is a desperate guy. He's a slime ball. He's pathetic. He's lied and told Krista he's dying of cancer just to arrange this meeting. He's trying to kind of, come on, don't stay mad at me. I really loved you. Just being a real slimy doucher. But 
he is a dangerous slimy doucher because Chekhov's vet scan has come back. Josh, we highlighted this when we talked about that in the podcast. When Flipper swallows an SD card, right. Elliot takes her to the vet. The vet does scan the chip at that point, and that has put Elliot on this guy's radar by name. He knows not only that his name is Elliot Alderson, but that he was one of Krista's patients. And this is a lot of information for somebody this dumb and desperate to have. And he's trying to get Krista to give up the goods. Is there anything that Elliot told you that you could possibly tell me that might give me more information about how to find him? Apparently, he's alerted the police. The Cyber Crimes Division has been looking for Elliot. Elliot did not leave uh, a lot of tracks for them to find him. So this guy's really grasping at straws. Says the only real way that they can get any information about him is if something bad happens in Estonia. Why Estonia? I, that, listen, those developing kind of uh, Eastern European countries are often home uh, to cybercrime and things that you can kind of get away with that you can't get away with in other nations. So that rings true, at least, with what I know about how this sort of culture permeates. Uh, a lot of those places are used for, you know, as hackers to kind of uh, show as proxy sites or hide their locations or using these kind of places. So it fits in that narrative. The other thing is, though, that's not the last we're going to hear of Estonia in this episode. Interesting. All right, so plant an Estonian flag right now. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're going to pull that flag up very quickly because we're going to get right back to it. All right. So we, you know, Chris is not going to do this. Did she, she, did, did, this is what my question is for you, Josh. Did Elliot tell Krista anything that she could have said at this moment? Well, I mean, would it be, would it be breach of confidentiality, you know, for her to say things? I mean, even if it were, like, because Michael Lennyson, Lenny Michelson, Lenny Michael says, I don't want to hear about the confidentiality. Like, just tell me. And I, I just, I couldn't really think of anything that she might know about Elliot that would help him locate her. I think she knows about Shayla. She knows about Angela. She knows about his relationships in his life. But I don't know if she knows where he lives, for example. Uh, maybe that information, I guess she knows where he worked. I don't know well, what one thing Michael we doesn't have. Well, one thing we don't know is how, you know, Elliot and Krista came to be. You know, it's like it's mandated. Good therapy. Point. Um, Good point. And, you know, what incident occurred to cause Elliot to go into therapy? I think we can, you know, we could talk about was it Mr. Robot related? You know, this is not the first time that Elliot has had an episode like this based on, you know, what Angela and Darlene are hinting at in the previous episode. Does Krista know something that we don't know yet that could be valuable to Lenny Michael in this moment? Very good point. And I think that it also is underscored by the fact that Elliot's kind of sloppiness, he gave his real name to the vet. He gave his real name at the front desk when he went to meet White Rose for the first time. The fact that he's identifying himself by his actual name at this point, we know that he's sort of scrubbed his presence away from the internet because he tries to hack himself in an earlier episode, turns up nothing. But I don't think using his real name is always the brightest idea. I'm very surprised. Even in this episode, he uses a a very funny alias. Uh, But in in certain instances, he's used his real name. Uh, Certainly, Krista probably knows more about what actually got him to trouble, as you're saying, than anybody. So there could be some tendrils out there that could really uh, be grasped onto and get Elliot in trouble for sure. Yeah. All right. So Lenny's going to go home empty-handed. Krista's not helping out. He's, you know, doing his, you know, whole TV dinner 
routine. It's Paunch Burger. So it's, it's a nice burger, Josh. Okay. It's fast food. I don't want to insult the Paunch Burger. <laughs> no, this is, you're right. He's a sad man. His wife has kicked him out. Can't see his daughter. He's clearly living by himself. He turns the TV on, and this is the first kind of inkling we've gotten that the hack has gone down. We see him watching on TV this great sequence of the fallout of the hack as World Destruction uh, is playing this song, uh, Africa Bambata time zone kind of song that's very punkish, uh, and it's just about like uh, these things that are happening around the world. And we hear in the background that Estonia is one of the nations that is most affected by this collapse. Oh, no, Elliot, you're in trouble now. Estonia collapsed. Lenny's oh, coming for you. Lenny's going to get you. Lenny's going to get you. He's going to go right over to Estonia. Estonia and he's going to Estonia. How, how worried do we have to be about Lenny? We've talked a little bit about like the growing rogues gallery in Elliot's life. Is Lenny one of those rogues? And if so, can he please be resolved with very quickly? I really hope we dis- we, we just miss El- El- Lenny very quickly because I don't like him as a loose end hanging around. He's got seemingly no other reason to live other than take Elliot down. Uh, he's got no no access to his ex-wife, no access to his dog, no access to his daughter. He's eating Paunchburger for dinner alone and sad. Uh, this is what his deal is, and he really wants to get Elliot. So is that the knock on the door at the end of this episode? We're going we're gonna to get into every kind of questionable person that could, could be the knock on the door more uh, but this could very well be the, these chickens coming home to roost these Damn. are things that th- this is a bad deal for elliot for sure you don't want to be wanted for cyber crime when one of the biggest cyber crimes in world history has just gone down that's the last thing you want anybody looking into uh if you're involved in that for that's sure that's probably true that's probably fair all right well speaking of elliot wake up time uh, yeah. the bugle's blowing it's time to wake up elliot he's in an suv it's Tyrell Wellick's SUV. Apparently, he has been a he's been there for two days. Yeah, two days at least. We find out he's kind of been absent from society for three days. This is the first, and not the first really, but this in this episode, the first kind of connection to Elliot. This is a very Christ-like thing: the disappearance for three days and the reemergence. Uh, there are other references throughout to Elliot, perhaps being divine. Uh, we've had that in past episodes where Tyrell Wellick is saying God is looking down on us right after he's met Good. with Elliot. Good is looking down on us right after he. He's met with Elliot as Mr. Robot. So there are these things in the three days thing, the two days thing, the emerging from the tomb, if you will. Uh, It's not an accident, I don't think. And it's great because Elliot gets out of this SUV. He's talking to the parking lot attendant. And the first thing Elliot says is, who am I? And the guy's like, what? And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, where am I? Yeah, that's a Freudian slip of a great, great yeah, paging Doctor Freud. Yeah, <laughs> paging Doctor Robot. Fair Freud. question though, because Elliot's like, which which Elliot am I right now? Yes, am I Mister Robot? To? Am I Baseline Elliot? Who am I right now? <laughs> so yeah, he. I don't know if he's been in the SUV the whole time. We do find out that he's paid in advance with this parking lot attendant to leave the SUV there. And while he's been away, the world has collapsed. The ATMs aren't working. Card readers aren't working. The guy wants cash. Elliot has seemingly slept through the hack. Yeah, he has slept through the hack. I have a feeling that he probably hasn't been in this SUV the entire time. Right. I would guess that he has not actually been sleeping through the hack. But probably an, not. But a very important aspect of Elliot Alderson does not seem to have conscious uh, a conscious grasp on where he has been in the past three days and what he may or may not be responsible for. But looking around at the shape of society in this moment, I think you got to figure 
Elliot deeply responsible for so much of what's happening right now. Yeah, and that ad that that where how you know on what level or what did he do? That's sort of the central question of this finale and totally unanswered. Like we don't know by the end of this episode what the answer is. Where was Elliot? How did the hack go down? What role did Wellick play? These are the questions Elliot is trying to answer throughout this episode and we don't get those answers. I think a lot of people when this episode initially aired we're a little frustrated by that. But, Josh, you made an excellent observation to me off the air, um, and and we kind of talked about it in our last podcast a little bit, which is that Episode 9 is the end of this uh, this first act, uh, and Episode 10 begins the second act, and we're going to go into Season 2 with a lot of these question marks, uh, and that that is sort of the, you know, the mark of uh, somebody who has creatively made that decision to sort of start Episode 10 as a premiere of Season 2, as you were saying. Right. I mean, episode nine is sort of the final episode of Mr. Robot so far that is pre-apocalypse. You know, like we're in the apocalypse now. Even Philip Price is going to talk about it with Angela later on about like there aren't aliens here. There's no zombies. There's none of that going on. It's just people. Um, But that doesn't mean that this isn't sort of like a post-apocalypse show now. Uh, That's the feeling that I get. It's maybe not as obvious or glamorous or, you know, pop culture, zeitgeisty as a Walking Dead type of thing. But it definitely is a completely changed world. And for some people, Armageddon has come. For other people, this is a beautiful opportunity to seize some power and remake the world in their image in a fantastic way. And for many other people, it is destructive and bad and not very good. So we are waking up here with Elliot into, at the very least, a world at war. Um, And I don't know if, I mean, I think while watching it, you know, the whole big goal of we're going to erase debt, we're going to, you know, we're going to take down Evil Corp. To me, very naively just felt like, oh, that's great. So that's a great agenda to have and you're going to shut that down and it's going to be fantastic without really really buying into the concept of what's the blowback going to be. And I think that now we're starting to live in a world where there's some blowback, where you're just calmly walking down the street and suddenly a bunch of people are running past you wearing Monopoly Man masks. And you don't know what's the next thing that's going to come around the corner. So there's definitely a heightened sense of tension just in the city streets of New York throughout this episode that really indicates that we are living in a very different world. It's scary stuff. Yeah, and we're outsiders to this world, and I think that's a great kind of narrative choice that has been made that we don't know, and Elliot asks us in voiceover right here at the beginning, seriously, what do you remember? Wait, I don't even trust you. Right. So that is, he doesn't trust us, and we don't have the information anyway throughout the kind of context or course of this series. We have known a little bit more than Elliot in various instances or in various scenarios. In this instance, Elliot clearly knows a lot more than us. We know that he participated in something. The hack did go down, but we don't know exactly what that was, and we have to rely on our unfortunately unreliable narrator who was appealing to us for information. So that's the world that we're living in at the beginning of this episode. And Elliot doesn't seem to be psyched about it when he gets to F Society. And, yeah. you know, is finally starting to confront Romero and Mobley and Darlene and Trenton are all there, and they're destroying things. And they're like, Elliot, where have you been? Why have you not been here? Yeah, Romero says, we were going to execute together. Yeah, well, I guess not. So <laughs> yeah, Simultaneous execution is always better, I that think, is you always, can achieve that. Yeah. That is always the best way to do it. Half bloom. Half bloom. Oh, God. Uh, but Elliot, you know, he's you know saying to Darlene, like, we should not have done this. Yeah. 
I don't think we, we should have done this. Like, yeah. that's kind of where he's at with this. And Elliot's really kind of saying, like, I, I told you. And he did. Last episode, he said, like, are you sure we should go through with this? Is it is it really this thing? And Elliot's kind of headspace around that was, yeah, maybe I formed this plan. But I formed it with a part of me that doesn't even remember forming it. And that was so screwed up that I was manifesting my dead father to try to talk me into it. So I'm not really sure it is that great of an idea. And I'm not really sure we did think it through. And I don't like that it's the product of my adult mind that thought my dad was alive and talking to me, but didn't even recognize he was my dad. So you can understand why Elliot maybe isn't sure that it was a great idea. That's compounded by the fact that he can't even remember the execution. Right. And I mean, he's starting to look into the hack a little bit now that he's awake. Uh, what is what has happened in the past three days? There's, you know, he's Googling it. There's uh, There are headlines about like, there's global system outages. There's worldwide panic. The NSA is looking for F society. Uh, all of this, I think, are, you know, these are the very real consequences of a great act like this, of a massive act that F society put into action that I think that the Elliot that we have mostly known throughout this show, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would be good for that guy who is already so paranoid to begin with, that I think that this being his new reality and having to deal with I don't think that he likes this very much. No, and of course, he wants a security blanket right away. Darlene asks him, do you still see Mr. Robot? And in voiceover, he tells us, no, but I need to. Yes. Like, he wants to know what happened. What did I do? How, how, what, to what extent did I go to make this happen? And the, the really burning question in this episode quickly becomes, like, where's Tyrell Wellick? What role did he play? Uh, did something bad happen to him that I did that I can't remember? Uh, and so that is the really kind of uh, bubbling thought that when you talk about these daemons or you talk about the things that unconsciously bubble up to the surface, Elliot knows deep down somewhere exactly what happened. But he's trying to get uh, come to grips with that and, and get kind of any information he can about what it was and, and kind of... Except the fact that it might not have been great. It might have been bad things that happened. So that's really what the, the thrust of this episode is. And we know that it could have been bad because there could be innocent victims. Uh, Angela is one, of course. But Angela, as we see at the beginning of this episode, has taken the plunge. She's listened to the challenge beast, Terry Colby. She's taken his job offer, and she's now working at Evil Corp, Josh. The world has very much changed in three days. You know, almost too too fast. <laughs> yeah, too fast, too furious. Yeah, way furious. Tokyo Drift. I mean, Angela being at Evil Corp in, like, this position of power that she seems to be in, you know, she's in the... PR department, um, getting a front row seat at the collapse of Evil Corp from within. All of this like happening within three days feels really swift to me. It Jonathan just, Swift. Uh, yeah, Taylor Swift. It feels oh, no. very swift. It just feels like it's all happened a little too fast in the Angela story department for me. Swift boated. Yeah, this is it is very quick. And Terry Colby said to her, look, you're, you're not going to be able to wait on this. They're going to want you to be here right away. And Angela was sort of at the end of her rope. We, we saw her appealing to her attorney. She couldn't work there. Uh, we know that she burned herself kind of in the tech world. Uh, but Terry Colby's dangled this very intriguing offer to her and said, 
you know, you can actually make change from within. You don't have to affect the system from outside of it. You can join the system uh, and make change from within. And I do think that this is the sort of dichotomy that these characters struggle with. Angela and Elliot have experienced the very similar incident that has caused them to go in very different directions when it comes to how to actually bring about change in society. And Angela has chosen to give this one a shot. Uh, She may be kind of an innocent victim in terms of what happened, though, because she enters a an evil corp which has been totally screwed up and totally screwed over by Elliot. Another innocent victim, perhaps Gideon Goddard. Yeah, uh, Gideon Goddard. Yeah, this is rough for him. What's going on with Gideon here, Josh? And I want to ask you when you once we go over this scene with Gideon, is there another reason why Gideon is still in the story? So uh, this scene, Gideon is is talking to what his temporary CFO. Yeah, I mean, all safe is toast uh, is the news. You know, that's the headline. All safe is destroyed. I mean, it was already probably on the way to destruction before the Evil Corp hack. Considering that all safe itself was hacked, and that's really bad for their reputation. As Gideon was very very worried about earlier, for I think very justifiable reasons but now this is just like everything has hit the fan like everything is just bankrupt there's no money there's everything this this group is not gonna be able to stick together and she says the best thing you can do is tell all of your employees it's time to find another gig uh as soon as possible but i mean their 401ks probably toast every single bank has been affected uh but at least hey maybe your debt's wiped Yeah, and this is the last, like, real extended scene with Gideon in this season. We do see another shot of Gideon and the people at Allsafe watching the final uh, Mr. Robot or Monopoly Guy video from F Society. But this is the last Gideon Goddard scene. So I'm wondering, we have a Gideon Goddard who absolutely knew that Elliot was up to something. He knows who Elliot is. He knows he's got social issues. He knows he's had some problems. He absolutely knows that something suspicious with that was going on and that maybe he can draw the connection between the hack and Elliot. Is this something that we should be tracking for season two? 100%. Yeah. I mean, the world doesn't change overnight like this with Evil Corp and with Gideon having been on Elliot's trail to begin with before this and not expect for Gideon to continue being on this trail now that he's seemingly lost everything that he holds dear with this company. Um, You know, the thing that he was fighting for so much is now gone. And I think that he's got to, at the very least, have a hunch that Elliot is partly involved. I think this is definitely going to be a big story coming up. Yeah, so here we are no more than 10 minutes into the episode, and we already have now two characters in Lenny Michael and Gideon Goddard who are people that have information about Elliot and who may be able to draw uh, some conclusions from what happened. And I just think that those are two very big loose ends. Gideon is a bigger one, obviously. But I just think that this this bodes very poorly for Elliot going forward, for sure. A lot of things do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be fair, a lot of things do. And Elliot is not focused on any of them. Elliot is focused on the Tyrell Wellick of it all. Yeah, well, he his last memory is hanging out with Tyrell. And suddenly Tyrell is gone without explanation. He's going to Evil Corp. He's looking for Tyrell Wellick. We're getting a front row view at the kind of panic that is ensuing at Evil Corp. Doesn't look like a great place to be working at on this particular day. 
Yeah, it doesn't. And chaos is around. I think this is great. There, there are a lot of great kind of uh, secondary references in this uh, in this particular episode to Stanley Kubrick, whether it's the eyes wide shut kind of connections, uh, uh, whether it's uh, connections to Doctor Strangelove. Uh, you've got Roman Polanski connections with Rosemary's Baby. I think Sam Esmail is borrowing from a lot, as he has done throughout uh, by paying homage to great films and things that he really appreciates. The song that's playing here, Shostakovich's uh, Waltz 2 from the Jazz Suite, is a song that is featured heavily in Eyes Wide Shut, but its electronic version is played here, uh, and that is something that Kubrick famously did in Clockwork Orange, where he did, where he did versions of Beethoven and uh, weird kind of new wave or synth versions that were uh, played by this artist, Walter Carlos, who was one of the early transgender pioneers and became Windy Carlos. So all these really cool connections that are playing out in the background and it's just a scene where it's chaos at evil corp and elliot's looking for tyrell and he goes into voiceover and is kind of discussing all of this with us and he's saying like why did tyrell let this happen he was with me i told him everything he was gonna stop it you know is that all it takes darlene's simple program shouldn't i be enjoying this isn't this what i wanted and then this is you know this is what he's really looking at and experiencing and he's saying, he's noting that these people are in various stages of grief, uh, which we saw Tyrell go through yes. in the previous episode. Yes. So this is, a, this is a great observation of what's kind of happening as it's all going around. Uh, and Elliot is really saying, I've got to find Wellick. He finds Wellick's assistant, but not Wellick. And just as he does, he says, where is Tyrell? Where is Tyrell Wellick? Then the new F Society video drops, Josh. The new F Society video drops. There is a man behind the mask. Who do we think this man behind the mask is? I well, feel like you're going to say that this is Tyrell Wellick. No, I mean, I think that, that I think there are two main candidates, and it's that it's Elliot or it's Wellick. I mean, right. I think those are the two candidates. I can't tell a lot of people's interpretation is that the eyes are blue on this character. I'm not sure that that's 100%. A lot of, pe- a lot of other people's interpretation is that the eyes are shaped the same as Rami Malek's. Yeah, um, that's he, my I, interpretation. That is your so, but, but what about the voice of the character? Is this... I, I couldn't really figure out any kind of specific voice on this, whether it's Elliot or Wellick. There are different interpretations online. Like I said, Elliot has just asked where Tyrell is. So I don't know if that's meant to be a connection or not. I don't, it doesn't sound like we have a firm you know, theory on this one way or the other. No, to me, that looks like – that just looks like wide, wild-eyed Rami Malek to me uh, yes. behind that mask. And I think that there is something really exciting about the idea of this world that has just fallen apart that Elliot is not thrilled about right now or is at least highly, highly anxious about and is observing very, very closely and not sure how this all came about. And suddenly to see himself on TV being the Monopoly man, uh, that strikes me as really just like a great alarming moment for this character. So that's kind of how I read it. I hadn't really read it as Tyrell, so I'd have to go back and look at it from that framework. Um, but it seems like there isn't just in the fandom, there isn't a consensus about who's behind the mask right now. Yeah, people have played with like, changing the pitch of the voice here and said, it's Remy Malek if you just change the pitch about you know 20% higher or lower or whatever, you drag it out. I think that there are lots of things you can do with this. 
Elliot is very affected by it. He focuses in on the eyes. Uh, Sam Esmail has said it's all about the eyes in this scene. So I do think that there's a very good chance that this is Elliot, and Elliot has just forgotten. Uh, I think that the question mark as to whether it's Tyrell is a valid one, though, because the voice is not instantly recognizable as Elliot's. Like other Mr. Robot or F Society videos have been, where you can hear that it's Darlene, or you can hear that it's Christian Slater's Mr. Robot voice, uh, I don't think this is a recognizable Elliot voice here. Uh, it's a confident voice. It doesn't have any of the trappings of the typical Remy Malik delivery. Uh, so this may be a new person altogether, which is perhaps even scarier, considering Elliot has manifested Mr. Robot already and has behaved as Mr. Robot in many scenes. Like, if this isn't Mr. Robot, and it's not really Elliot, but it's Elliot recording the video, who is this person? Yeah, it's, that's frightening. <laughs> frightening yeah, right, prospect right. that there could be another aspect here. Right, right. And there could be more than one. I think that that's a, a big debate that a lot of people are having as well. Like, how many manifestations are there? We read the email uh, from our listener in Atlanta where we were talking about kind of is this sort of an inside-out scenario where all the aspects of Elliot's personality have different names. We don't know, but this could be somebody we even haven't met yet, and that's scary. That's really frightening. Um, also frightening is the start of what's going to be a very harrowing scene with oh. with the evil corp spokesman. Um, Angela is working with a guy. He's really bugging out. He's about to go on TV. He he needs his leather bag. Got to have that security bag. Got to have that security bag. We know that there is a gun in that bag that is going to go off. Um, this episode was supposed to air on, I believe, August 25 or August 26, somewhere around there. Um, but the finale was preempted because this scene that's going to come up in a little while with this character shooting himself on television uh, felt very close to home given real-world events. This was right around the very same time that um, news reporters in Virginia were killed on camera. It was a very, very frightening, terrible event, and USA pushed this episode back, I think, by a full week yes. um, to kind of distance, you know, give distance to this really awful real-world tragedy. But it was just a kind of, like frightening coincidence that just at the same time this is exactly what was going to happen on television would have been very harrowing stuff yeah i mean it is the the scene with the spokesman is based on something that did happen in uh, i think it was pennsylvania in the 1980s where a politician uh, who was involved in a lot of scandals killed himself live right. on tv yeah. and that i think is what they were sampling from but there's a very big difference between something that is 30 years later uh, and something that happens right in the moment uh, where on uh, that terrible tragedy uh, with the what were the two people's names that were killed? I don't want to. Uh, Allison Parker and Adam Ward were yes. the names of the of the journalist. Yeah, where Allison Parker and Adam Ward were killed live on television, and then we had this happening. Uh, Mr. Robot is already a show that pushes a lot of boundaries. I mean, you could count, you couldn't even count on two hands the amount of f bombs in this show. And I, USA has bleeped a lot of stuff as it was airing the first time through, but it is pushing a lot of boundaries. The episodes are longer, so it's pushing even the narrative boundaries, and it's asking a lot of its audience but this is a very very gruesome scene that's even more gruesome in light of what people would have been seeing actually happening around the world in that moment so the show has always intentionally put itself in the zeitgeist uh, done a lot of work with that with the ashley madison stuff uh, mentioning all these things using real world characters but this is not zeitgeist that was intended uh, and even in those kind of moments mr robot and the usa said no 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 this is too much and we yeah. have to take a step back so i I do think because this show 
firmly situates itself in the zeitgeist. And I think it's not even ripped from the headlines. It's these sorts of things are happening, can happen, and will happen. I, I, I would be surprised if this is the last, like, really close coincidence that we have with Mr. Robot. Uh, it's a very it's very thin ice, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Anyway, we'll get into that in a little while. That scene has not yet occurred. Uh, tough transition, but a very kind of amazing scene here at the, um, at the dog shelter where F Society goes and they're like incinerating their drives. Uh, this is a, this is a fun scene. I like this scene quite a bit. Yeah, it, it's it, there's definitely some comedic effect to this. Uh, Mobley has said, "I've run all the scenarios, and uh, using a dead puppy oven was not on my list." <laughs> I hadn't considered that one, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got the Jim Carroll band playing, which is the the lead character from the Leo DiCaprio movie, The Basketball Diaries. That movie is based on Jim Carroll's life. Uh, this is his band's kind of very famous song, "People Who Died." Uh, it's playing over this montage where they let all the animals free. So uh, very, I think that's all. Also in the spirit of Fight Club and in the spirit of other kind of anarchic sort of actions that hackers take. This is them saying, like, we're going to hack these cages. The dogs are not ours anymore. Yes, we did answer one very important question in this finale, Josh, which is who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? It was F Society. It was F Society. So that's what's going on. It's upbeat. That's a fun song. Even though it's about people who died, it's a a very fast-paced song. That song transitions us into the next scene. Which becomes very foreboding and not at all fun and upbeat uh, by the end of it. This is I'm talking about maybe one of the best scenes from season one of Mr. Robot. The interaction between Joanna Wellick and Elliot Alderson. You know, Joanna Wellick has been such a stone-cold, awesome character pretty much the entire run that she has been on the show. Since she was introduced back in episode three all the way through now. But really, we hadn't seen her operating in any storyline outside of the Tyrell Wellick orbit. Um, you know, she's interacted with the Knowles, like she's had some scenes there. She talked to the cops. But now we're getting her mixing it up with Elliot, with our main storyline. And these are two very powerhouse characters who have not yet interacted, at least as far as we know. Um, yeah, that's a put a pin in that one. You know, but based on the conversation they have, there's just so much happening here. It's very loaded. It, you know, starts off innocently enough. Elliot is here. He is looking for Tyrell. Joanna is outside with her son in a baby carriage. And he's, you know, like, where is Tyrell? She's like, oh, he'll be here soon. Why don't we talk first? Yeah, and uh, not great. Not great how this all plays out. Because as I said, the music transitions us into this scene. Elliot's knocking at the door. But then Joanna Wellick walks up and says, can I help you? And then the music stops. And so then we only have the natural sound in the scene. And as the dialogue progresses between the characters, that's when we get the group of hooligans running down the street, knocking people over. Then some really foreboding music starts. And this conversation goes from zero to 60, like in a second and a half. Very quick. I know you wanted to run through the specific conversation. Oh, we Anto- don't have to. Antonio, have to. no, Antonio, you you started this. Antonio transcribed the conversation between Elliot Alderson and Joanna Wellick because he really wanted to do a dramatic reading of this scene. No, I was just working on my Sean Falconer skills, Josh. <laughs> I, used a, I used a program. I hacked a program to do Interesting. This. Awesome. All right. How, where do you want to start? I, I assume you want to be Joanna. You teased that you have a great Joanna Wellick. I did not say that. I only said that you do Elliot better than I do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's well, Elliot's r- knocking on the door, and Joanna says, can I help you? I'm looking for Tyrell Wellick. Is he here? No, he's not. Do you know where he is? Who are you? Good question. We work together. He'll be home soon. 
Just called me from the car 10 minutes ago, stuck in some traffic. You're welcome to wait inside if you want. And then the hooligans with their Monopoly masks, they run through. Assholes. They're jerks. What did you say your name was? I'm Ollie. <laughs> First off, that's incredible. Yes, fantastic. I'm yeah. Ollie. What, what were you working on with my husband? And then he's going into voiceover. You've got to help me get out of this. There's something about her. I feel like she can hear us. <laughs> he wanted my advice, you know, about the hack that's going on right now. When was the last time you saw him? She's lying to me. He isn't coming. She's fishing for something. Uh, I'm not sure. Last week, I think. Really? You know, between you and me, I'm a little concerned for Tyrell. Was he acting strange when you saw him? No. That's funny, because he was acting very strange the last time I saw him, three days ago. Didn't she just say he called? Then he just vanished. <laughs> that, that's your best Danish impression? <laughs> that was exactly word for word, Josh. Okay, very good. Excuse me? I don't understand what you're saying. Are you okay? Yeah, I think it's just the stress of the last few days getting to me. Anyway, I shouldn't take up any more of your time. Uh, thank you, Ollie. Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what that's... is that Danish that she says? Do we, uh... The translation is, if you have done anything to him, I will kill you. Oh, my God. I thought it was going to be a cheese Danish. No, uh, this is not a cheese that Danish. That is a murder Danish. That's that a, a murder Danish, that yes. That is a dangerous Danish. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Day old Danish. So why is she speaking to Elliot in Danish? Does she, does she think that Elliot knows Danish? It's just the stress of the last few days getting to her, Josh. That's you take it? her other surface meaning. This is a terrifying scene because the music is so foreboding. She's very smiling and upbeat, but too smiling. She yeah. never lets her eyes off of him. He won't even look at her, and he knows that she's really rattling him. And it's very like there's a Rosemary's Baby here. This is earlier when I was talking about Polanski. There's almost this supernatural menace uh, with this woman in New York on these quiet streets pushing a pram around with a baby by the way didn't she just have this baby just had this child yeah so she's walking around with a pram pushing the baby around like three to four days after she was in the hospital with the baby so mom and baby are doing fine they're okay they're doing yeah. all right yeah but yeah this is uh i don't know why does she speak in danish to him did she think there was a possibility he would know as you're saying uh is this something where there's a weird edge to their conversation because she has already spoken with him because she does know who he is because she knows he's not named ollie uh and she may Maybe he is even cognizant of how screwed up he is. I don't know, but there's a lot more going on with Joanna Wellick in this scene, I think, than is very clear on the surface. If she doesn't know Elliot, like if she doesn't know who he is, if he's not on her radar, then she's just like the most like perceptive, intuitive human being on the planet to like just figure out like, oh, you are involved with this. Like I can smell it on you. You just have that look. Uh, I know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, I would be inclined to believe that she knows who Elliot Alderson is. I mean, we know that Joanna and Tyrell have been working in concert toward a bigger goal. Um, why would Elliot not be on her radar at this point? We know Tyrell has shared information with Joanna throughout. We know there are some things he didn't tell her in a timely fashion. 
mention he didn't he didn't say Elliot's name. He references by name. him as a tech. Yes, exactly. he does mention him to Joanna. So we know he has done that. We know they have been in cahoots. They being Joanna and Tyrell throughout with a shared goal. It's entirely possible that we've gotten a lot more information about Elliot from Wellick to Joanna, and we don't know that as an audience yet. The other thing to keep in mind is Tyrell did murder Sharon Knowles, and and Joanna knows that Tyrell is wanted for that murder and has disappeared. So her guard is already up in more than one way, Uh, not, not even related to the hack, which it may be up for that too, but it's already up because her husband is wanted for murder and he has disappeared. So she's already taking anyone looking for her husband as super suspicious from the jump, let alone somebody who she may already know and she may have been throwing the Danish out there as a test. There's also the possibility, although improbable, and I think we should discuss it here because it is heavily theorized, that Elliot and Tyrell are the same person. Josh, we've seen all 10 episodes. That's not, that's not happening, right? I don't feel like it's happening. We've um, seen Tyrell interact directly with Gideon Goddard on more than one occasion. Yes. Gideon knows Elliot very well. Yes. There's no way. There's no way. Um, I don't know why on earth Gideon would be having a conversation with Elliot pretending to be like this evil corp big wig and like a completely different personality and Gideon would just be like totally chill with that. Um, that does, and there are other people who have said Tyrell Wellick just called for you, Gideon, while Gideon is reaming out Elliot. Elliot. Yes. Um, so no, I don't buy that at all. I think that... Um, I think Tyrell is an independent person. Here's another one to try on for size. Yeah. Unless you're going to theorize something. No, no, no. Go for it. Elliot Alderson. Alderson could be loosely translated to older son. Is it possible that they're somehow brothers? Um... I mean, nothing's impossible. That's certainly more possible than Tyrell being Elliot. Um... But I mean, the Tyrellian is not the Ty- Tyrellian. I'm out on Tyrellian. Me, Me too. I'm out on Tyrellian, but I might be in ish on there being some sort of connection like that, or some younger, you know, in their past they knew each other type of thing. Yeah, that does not really manifest with what we see Wellick interacting with Elliot. We see them interacting like, oh, we were always meant to work together. It's you and me, blah, 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 blah. Maybe you could read into that, that they're that they're related. It is interesting, I think, later in this episode, we get Elliot's manifestation of his family, where we see not only Mr. Robot, but we see Elliot's mom and young Elliot talking to Elliot in the empty Times Square. Darlene is not in that scene. Right. So that's not a full family. So if Darlene is missing from that family, if Darlene is missing who from the family photo, who else is missing? We also know from Joanna Wellick's story last episode that we've introduced the possibility of babies that were born and then raised by others. Not this baby, but this is a theme that has already arisen in the show. Right. Um, it's probably just there to add dynamic kind of uh, information or characterization to Joanna Wellick as a person. Uh, she's not only the kind of person that had that happen and has been struggling with that and has that pain, but she's also the kind of person that never told her husband about that. So what else is she hiding or what else do we not know about her? But the fact that that theme exists at all, somebody that was born of one person and raised by another does open the door, I think, to that happening on the show. So I think there's a little more credence to that than the the Tyrellian. I don't think Tyrellian is a thing. I'm not in on Tyrellian. I'm out on Tyrellian. But we'll see. We'll see where that all goes. Uh, This is the next scene is the scene we were talking about before with the evil corp uh, man just, you know, 
destroying himself on television. He's having a very hard time fielding some questions from an interviewer because everybody knows that the thing that's going on with Evil Corp right now is not very good. And it is not, you know, really, there's... There's no sort of pleasant speech that you can offer to, you know, calm the people right now. This is apocalyptic for this very massive, massive corporation that has enormous ramifications for the rest of the world. There's just no positive spin to be had here. And eventually this man realizes it. Um, yeah, what's really pushing him over the edge is that they've been working to try to fix it. And the only thing they know is that they can't fix it, right. that it's going to be impossible to fix it. And I think the interesting thing to keep in mind is that the hack, as it took place, was not to destroy the data directly. It wasn't the Mr. Robot plan to burn the facilities down uh, and to get rid of everything. This was Darlene's kind of program that Elliot has mentioned already in this episode that would have encrypted all the data and destroyed the encryption key so that it couldn't be decrypted and it would not ever be able to be decrypted. So the data is still there. It's just locked up. And what this guy is saying is, look, our tech team worked on this all weekend. And the only thing we do know is that we're never going to be able to unlock it. Right. Yeah. So it still exists. Yes, it's and not, I think that's a really important thing to track. I agree. I mean, it's not dead. Uh, it is locked away. The key is thrown out, and it's you know a needle in a haystack type of situation where who knows how on earth you could possibly unlock this thing. But to say that it's impossible, um, that strikes me as incorrect. Like, you don't have this thing still existing in the universe of Mr. Robot if at some point the possibility of fixing it uh, doesn't exist anymore. Right, and I think based on not only how the episode ends after the credits, but also just kind of maybe other characters' motivations, whether it's Philip Price and Angela, or whether it's White Rose, or whether it's uh, Gideon Goddard, the people that are involved. Maybe it's Wellick, who we actually saw holding a key at one point. It could be Darlene. There are players in this game who maybe are trying to get access to the key that could unlock this data at some point down the line maybe that's why uh the philip price character is okay with it happening maybe the shares are going to get driven down people are going to buy up all these cheap shares control the company then unlock the data there are all these possibilities none of that is on this poor guy's mind when he blows his own brains out on right. live tv but this is something by, where he's mentioning the fact that it's locked up and that it's that very concept the fact that he doesn't think it will be able to be unlocked that causes him to do it other people People, their response to this chaos is markedly different, and characters remark on it. Angela asks Philip Price. Angela witnesses this horrible thing happening, and the next scene is Philip Price talking to her, and Philip Price is cool about it. Like yeah. he's just like, yeah, uh, oh yeah, sure, I'm the CEO. Uh, oh, yeah, you're Terry Colby's girl. Oh, sure, yeah, offhanded, right? He seems to really have some kind of motivation in talking to her. This isn't an accidental meeting that he arranges after this happens and as a matter of fact he says to her like hey uh, i'm looking forward to you impressing me oh say you should come to my press conference later this afternoon since you're new to the pr department this is right after he told her she should go home he then gives her money to buy new shoes yeah 
And this is, so this, the, the hooks are starting to be dug in. Why that's happening, again, I don't think we know, but we can theorize. And I think that Philip Price is after Angela, in part, maybe because she was connected to All Safe, maybe because he knows Elliot was partially responsible. Yes. Yeah, I think that, that they're after her for her connection to Elliot. I think so, the most too. likely answer. I mean, we see it at the end of this episode in yes. the conversation between Philip Price and White Rose, where White Rose, like, I thought that you knew the guy who is responsible. And Philip Price says, yeah, you know, we, we do know who's responsible. Uh, if you take that at face value, which I don't know that you necessarily should uh, with just about anything on this show or even in that scene, that would suggest to me that he knows what an Elliot Alderson is uh, and therefore would know who Angela is in connection to Elliot. And if he has future plans for Elliot, Angela is a possible door through those plans. Yeah, um, that is absolutely right. And that there, Terry Colby said he looked into her work at All Safe. And so it's possible that somebody knows this connection. Uh, and she mentions to Philip Price in this episode, you know who I am. Like, you know about me. And so Philip Price knows her connection to Evil Corp, ultimately, that she is somebody whose father, or sorry, mother, was killed by Evil Corp. It's not that much more of a line to draw to connect it to Elliot Alderson and then to put the the connection to all safe and the things that were happening there and on and on and on. So there's a very good chance that Angela is being worked for her connection to Elliot. And that's why she's in this kind of position and she doesn't know it. There's also the fallen angel aspect of this all Angela and angel is a name. We saw her wearing all white in the ballet scene. There's the three days kind of thing. She's really in the belly of the beast at this point. And there is a very interesting scene where she takes the thousand bucks. She does go to buy the shoes and she just like, has it out with the salesman yeah who's given her he's trying to be a moral compass and trying to say like how can you do this and her she breaks and says i don't know who you think you're talking to but i'll try the pradas next and josh yeah. the devil wears prada the devil does wear prada yeah so i don't know that is are you not saying mine. i'm that- not saying that i that's i've that's been all over reddit since this episode aired but uh, i think that there's there's some interesting stuff going on with angela here i know not your favorite storyline but it, it's very interesting to me well i just it's hard for me to buy Angela going down this dark route right now like it just it flies in the face of a lot of you know basically everything that we've come to know about her at this point like she's literally just here because she couldn't get a job anywhere else without even trying within three days of getting the offer just agreeing to take on the e-corp job it just does not sing true to me um I just it, it has never sat well with me yeah, I understand that. And I, I do think that it's, uh, it is a little bit of a jump. I don't know if we could get into any more. I mean, if you track out what happened with Angela throughout the course of this season, she had a fall from grace with what happened with the initial hack, with the F Society hack. Elliot ultimately, because of his actions, put her in a place where she got fired, even though he tried to defend her. And even though his defense of her sort of set the whole thing askew from the jump, she has been in a very difficult position throughout. She's tried to take some more agency and say like let me do what i want to do she's come up with her own plan to save the world but then been excommunicated from that plan her boyfriend cheated on her got hacked put her in a position where not only her finances but also her very intimate kind of dealings in her own apartment were on display um it's not been a great season for Angela. No, is what it's I'm been saying. a t- tough ride. Bumpy yeah, ride. Tough ride. She's found out stuff about her dad that was really bad. She does know. 
know firmly that these people have been. She had that horrible offer from Terry Colby, Josh. Right. Yes. We yeah. don't need to get the ball rolling on that one. No, again. we really don't. And yet here you are. Yes. So anyway, yeah, we're just going to pass on that for sure. We don't want to get into that. But uh, but yeah. This is some bad things have happened to her, but even still, this feels like an overextension, and especially the Devil Wears Prada scene feels like this is not an Angela that we have seen before. She watched a guy shoot himself right in front of her, like right in front of her, and then went right back to work. She's in shock. She's not in her right frame of mind. What that could lead to, I don't know. But she's not the normal Angela that we've known throughout this season. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. So Elliot is going to go back to Tyrell Wellick's car. Uh, he's going to try and figure out, like, is there something here? Is there a clue that we've left behind here that could point me toward Tyrell? Uh, eventually, of course, as all things are, when you're trying to hide something in a car, it's in the sunroof. That's just the spot. That's yeah. always the spot. I'm gonna, I can't wait till I do. You have a car? I can't wait till I get to your car, Josh. I'm going to look right in the sunroof. You, you're not going to find anything. Oh, Maybe yeah. some, like, pizza crusts that I put <laughs> up there because I wanted to put them out of mind. But, yeah, and then you'll remember, like, oh, they were warmed by the sun. This is yeah, even better. Sun-dried pizza crusts. That was the plan. I was trying to toast them up. This is great. This That's is good. That's where it is. Yeah, this is uh, all safe as toast and pizza crust is toast. <laughs> right. But he finds uh, a pair of sunglasses that have a USB drive hidden in the frames. That's where all of my USB drives are in the frames of my glasses. I don't know about you, Antonio. That's I got I to gotta get me some of those sunglasses with pretty, the USB. Pretty yeah. good. pretty good idea. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I you like can that buy those on bit. the internet for sure. Oh, guaranteed. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but now that Elliot has it, he's like, all right, so whatever's on here is going to be good. Uh, it would probably be helpful if Mr. Robot was around right now so I could consult with that guy so he could tell me WTF is happening here. WTF, mate. And so he starts going with the whole like, uh, all right, come out, come out wherever you are. Yes. Let's go, Mr. Robot. Where are you? I'm you should have just said his name three times. Everyone knows that's the way to make it. Come on. Come, come on. on. I'm here. Yeah, Mr. Come Robot. See me. I'm an SUV. I'm here. Grab my hand. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah, come on. Get out. We are coming here to the yeah. chopper. It is sad, isn't it, that Elliot checks the trunk for Wellick? Like, what else has Elliot found in a trunk? He's found Josh? some bad stuff in trunks before. Yeah, this uh, is, I mean, and it does make you wonder. Like, more than that, junk in the trunk. That, oh, gosh. R.I.P. Shayla. Josh just compared you to more than junk. Uh, but yeah. That whole episode was surreal. We talked about how Brave Traveler is an episode of this show that is a little bit odd, that doesn't really fit how much of it really happened. There doesn't seem to be any blowback from this great jailbreak that has happened. There's no fingerprints around, no evidence, none of that. None of those chickens have come home to roost, Josh. And it does make you wonder, like, is there a possibility that that somehow was some kind of break of Elliot's and that he was more involved than we saw as an audience? I don't know. But here's Elliot after a psychotic break looking in a trunk for a body. It does make me wonder it does make you wonder back at f society darlene is getting ready to party with yeah. the best of them yes this is great i love this this is yet another um another kubrick call out on the flyer where it says uh, end of the world party featuring dj mobley or how i learned to stop loving the world in f society uh dr strange love sure. there dj mobley also josh we need to see more of dj mobley i think that's got to be a huge story in season two I got to imagine. I think that DJ Mobley is going to be a very important thread to follow moving forward. Well, at the very least, everybody,
everybody in F society is a little bit on edge. They're not happy. They're really pissed because Elliot's gone. Their fearless leader is not there in the trenches with them doing the cleanup work. He didn't execute with them. He's making them clean up. They're laying around on the, on the leavings of what happened. And they're trying to, they don't know what's next. They want to know what are we doing next? And Darlene is trying to keep the band together, but it's bad. It's bad. But, you know, he's the talent. He doesn't have yeah, to get his he hands Yeah, he just shows dirty. up on the day of, you know. He just shows up. He does the thing. He walks out. You can't mess with perfection like that. I you know. know. You're he's right. The, you're right. He's the artist. He's the artist. Uh, Elliot goes to an internet cafe. He's going to try and get into the drive. He says, Mr. Robot knows the password, which means I know the password. Apparently he does. That works. Yeah. That's a great new access to your your second personality that, like, you can now just assume that you know all of the things that Mr. Robot knows. Why can't he just use that to find out what happened to Tyrell? Yeah, why doesn't he have a brain keychain that stores all those information and just remembers? I mean, if he remembers the password, this is something he was meant to find, though, uh, and it's weird. It's Boardwalk fail. It is ultimately, and that I, by that I don't mean, like, season four of Boardwalk Empire. Oh, sad. Yeah, I mean, like, this is, this is, uh, this is the video of Elliot on the boardwalk railing at the end of episode two. Back when Mr. Robot pushed him over the ledge, except now we know that Mr. Robot and Elliot are the same guy, so there is no Mr. Robot pushing Elliot over the ledge. It's just Elliot hopping over the rail. Yeah, and it's it's really cool to see that from a different perspective. It is kind of unclear why this was the hidden video in the sunglasses, why this was the thing that Elliot was meant to find. Elliot himself in voiceover isn't sure. What's he trying to say? I'm on the hook for everything. He won't come out to play if I ask, so maybe I got to force his hand. I need to get myself arrested, is what Elliot says. Right, so he starts to call 911 on the cafe's official line. He has a confession to make, and Mr. Robot shows up. All right. You got me. Yeah, yeah. And then that's kind of an act break for that or a scene break. We do go into the scene with Angela at the shoe store. Which I think we've covered. We have covered it. And so we get right back to the cafe. Elliot is slamming Mr. Robot into a wall after Mr. Robot says, why don't you have a cafe latte? It's on me. Of course it is. Yeah, what a jerk. (laughs) It's as good as the apple teeny that I bought you as well. Yes, I'm always mad at my alternate personality when he offers to buy me a drink. Because that money's coming out of my wallet. It's just insulting. It like, really you know, is. like you're listen, I'm your sugar daddy. Just let me pay for you. Don't insult me with these, you know, hollow offers to pay for my drink. Yeah, they won't stay, those hollow offers. They will not stay yeah. at all. Also, not staying is this idea that a separate man is choking another guy. It's Elliot with Mr. Robot up against the wall, except it's actually just Elliot with himself up against <laughs> the wall, choking himself out. Standing and, against the wall with his hand on his own throat. And everybody's watching this being like what i mean just think about everything that happens in that in that cafe just being like a bystander witnessing everything with elliot it's really no surprise that that guy just gets knocked out by the end of this scene yeah it's actually surprising that this guy's not already in police custody i mean i know it's new york city and all mr robot gives him some really good advice like get a bluetooth so people just think you're the local douche that's a great great call that is a fantastic yeah i'm thinking we should we should like if if you know to avoid people getting harassed on the street for just being totally crazy we should just buy people bluetooths 
that would be a wise choice. I mean, I've made that mistake many times in my life, crazy or Bluetooth. And sometimes you just can't see. <laughs> the hair is over the ears. You're not 100% sure. Well, it's then a this question I've myself. It's probably bad for our survival if now everybody is wearing a Bluetooth and now you have no way of distinguishing between uh, the people who are just being Bluetooth douche or are you know actually genuinely a threat to you and your safety in the moment. That's true. That's true. Unless you're one of those people in the latter category, then it's great cover. Then it's a great cover. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, Elliot and Mr. Robot are having it out, and Mr. Robot's like, "You're forgetting that I am you." Uh, so Mr. Robot proves it by walking away from the wall, going up to another guy, telling him something very lewd that I shall not repeat here, uh, and getting punched in the face for it. All the while, Elliot is watching Mr. Robot do this, um, and except it's, uh, until the punch. Until the punch, when suddenly now he is on the ground. So it's really cool. I mean, we started talking about this um, a little bit in the spoiler section of episode eight of like the time jump. Between Elliot, you know, putting uh, plans into action for hacking into Allsafe and getting access to Gideon's phone and how things just kind of skipped uh, and how he started to sort of fade away into sort of this surreal haze of becoming Mr. Robot is what it seemed like. Um, Now you get to see what that looks like again while Elliot is aware of what's happening or is at least passingly aware of like, oh, that that's me making those moves like just watching that out of body experience. It's really cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a little on the nose. I mean, it is a little like uh, they needed to do this, I think, uh, as though the twist weren't clear uh, to everyone. Uh, this makes it abundantly clear what it actually looks like when Elliot is talking to Mr. Robot in public. Uh, and this is, you know, not something that I think is in any way normal. Mr. Robot's own version of this is. I'm only supposed to be your prophet. You're supposed to be my God. Yeah, how about that? More of the the biblical stuff going on here. Yes, and I think the, it's a pretty surface kind of meaning there that Elliot created Mr. Robot. He's the guy who created the, the, the Mr. Robot in his image and uh, in an image of his father and all that. You've got all that wrapped up. But this is two versions of the Trinity, really. You've got kind of a father and a son, uh, and people have been wondering where the Holy Spirit is. Is that us as the viewer? Is that something else? Is there a Trinity connection to be made? All I know is Mr. Robot is supposed to spread the word, and he's the thing that Elliot created. Uh, And so there you go with the prophet and the God. And this is kind of like, listen, buddy, like you made me. You can't be coming to me and telling you what to do because you created me. You should be, you know, that should be kind of, it's a hierarchy, and you created me. Like, so here we are. And I think it's also possibly instructive about the relationship between Mr. Robot and Elliot as far as capabilities are concerned. You know, Mr. Robot talking about Elliot as you're supposed to be my God. I'm supposed to be your prophet. So I'm supposed to interpret your power. I'm supposed to wield your power. But you are the one with the power. And we've been wondering... Why did Mr. Robot need Elliot? If Mr. Robot founded F Society, you know, if that aspect of Elliot founded F Society, why did he need to bring the baseline Elliot into the equation? Why did he need to alert him to everything that's going on here? Is that because Elliot is the talent? Maybe Mr. Robot is the idea guy. Maybe he is the one who has the big picture vision. But in terms of executing on the vision, is Elliot, baseline Elliot, is he the one that can do all of the stuff with hacking? Is he the computer expert and Mr. Robot, that aspect of Elliot, does he not have access to that side of Elliot Alderson? Yeah, and it's fascinating because we saw Elliot, the baseline Elliot, 
deviating from Mr. Robot's kind of plans, fighting Mr. Robot's plans throughout the course of this season. We did see them working together plenty, but if you'll recall, we just mentioned it, Mr. Robot wanted to burn up the data. He wanted to, he didn't care if people died. Uh, he wanted to burn up Steel Mountain. He wanted to cause a gas explosion in the area. Gas is where it's at. Gas. I'm going for gas, baby. That's where it's at. So, yeah, that's what he wanted to do. And Elliot fought back on that. So they're not even, they're, you know, two two halves at war with themselves on some level. And I think that is very interesting for sure because it is it is a question that we ask ourselves. And I think we really have to ask ourselves because by the end of this episode, Mr. Robot is telling Elliot exactly what to do. And that's how the Elliot and Mr. Robot relationship ends after the Times Square of it all. And so going into season two, does Elliot need Mr. Robot to tell him what to do? Is he going to just robotically follow what Mr. Robot tells him? And and is this a side of his personality that he's now let win? Uh, and is that going to be good or bad? And I think these are all very important questions. All right. How about Angela and Philip Price? They are talking. This is ahead of the press conference slash service for the guy that Philip Price really does not seem to care for at Not all. at all. Oh, man. He really, it's a really ruthless takedown. I mean, that we're skipping ahead, but that's the final part of this scene where he's kind of like, I kind of feel like the world's a better place without yeah. this guy in it. He's a gambler. His fa- even his family will benefit from this. I think his family this. is going to benefit from this in the long run. It's just like really <laughs> rough stuff. Philip Price is a scary man. Yeah, and um, he, his biggest problem with this guy is that he was weak and his instincts yeah. were bad. I don't like weakness and I like, I dislike people with bad instincts yeah oh man but to the point that like you're happy that they that this person who represents your company did what he did on national television and is also no longer on the planet i don't know that seems a little dark to well me. and as we've said the philip price kind of uh, the way he's walking into this conversation with angela is with a whole lot of confidence he attributes that confidence as you said to the fact that only people did this not zeus or zombies or aliens or anything like that and that having that's a great that- idea for a comic book aliens versus Zeus versus zombies. <laughs> a war video game. like World, uh, World War AZZ. A- <laughs> I like it. Two Z's, one A. That's perfect. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, this is this is ultimately the way that that he sees it, and he says having the weight of the biggest conglomerate in the world behind him uh, matters like this really crack under that weight typically. Yeah. So he's confident and he's fine, but Angela is not. She wants to know like, listen, why am I really here? What are you doing with me? Why are you letting me be here? You know who I am. This doesn't make any sense. And, and he's, he's like cracking up. Yeah, he laughs it off, right? Yeah, he's basically like, uh, I find you refreshing. Yeah. You're exactly what we need right now. You're young and you're bold. And she's like, come on. Yeah, come she, on. Knows. she knows that that's, that's BS. There is more than that. And he says, Angela, don't talk your way out of a compliment. Uh, really, really just talking around the issue, not getting to the heart of the matter at all. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that he actually feels this way about her. He probably does find her refreshing, and she is young and bold. Uh, but there are other reasons why Philip Price is interested in Angela. We just don't know them yet. Well, it's a fantastic uh, dynamic because if you, if you took Mr. Robot to be a real person, it's, some, it's similar recruiting in a lot of ways that Mr. Robot does with Elliot. And I think more than being young and bold and refreshing, I think that Angela 
Angela's malleable. Uh, this is the same person who did ultimately install the CD at Evil Corp. Yeah, she did it in part on revenge uh, over Ollie, and she used his workstation, but she did it also to protect herself uh, and because she thought that it might be able to get at all safe, she might be able to get at Evil Corp. So she's crossed lines in the middle of this season that you know a normal person wouldn't necessarily cross. She's willing to do things in pursuit of you know this quote unquote justice for her family. She's malleable. She can be controlled with her emotions. It's very similar to Elliot in that respect. Philip Price is a real world monster, though, and he clearly, I don't think, has good intentions. The way this scene ends with him delivering the, the, the quote unquote press conference to a darkened, dimly lit, he's standing above all these people. The Evil Corp logo is on the floor. Uh, there's like 500 people in the audience. It's, it's terrifying. It is, I don't know, it's the stuff of like fanaticism or um, almost like cultish religion. It's really scary, this scene with Philip Price. He is a scary character. He's a very scary character. He's going to be a series regular in season two, so that awesome. is very exciting. Yes, uh, awesome. Know, much more to come with yeah, that. We talked guy. about our love of Michael Christopher, and I think him being a stage actor, as you noted in the previous podcast, really does uh, change the dynamic because his pacing is really good. His motivations, I think he's really good at kind of playing things under the surface so that they're evident and apparent, uh, but kind of having the conversation in the moment as well. Great actor. Love having this guy on the show. All right, so let's go to Times Square. I usually don't say those words because I never want to go to Times Square, but the, but the episode is going to <laughs> Times Square. And this is like a particularly awful time to be in Times Square with like these giant demonstrations and people wandering around with the huge F Society signs and everyone being really on point with a message. Like that is a scary time to be in Times Square. It's bad enough to be in Times Square just like in the middle of the day because there's so many people there, but this looks packed. And Elliot is in bad shape. So this is like the worst place for him to be right Yeah, now. and people in masks on Times Square are already a problem. The people that dress up like Elmo that are secretly like pedos are a Elliot problem. Elliot Moe, yeah. Yeah, like all these things that are going on. Elliot Moe, yes. These, these, uh, Times Square already a difficult place. We know F Society's not there. They've had their own party. Baby, I Got Your Money is playing. They've covered up the evidence, ultimately. They've put fingerprints and DNA all throughout that arcade. So they're done. We don't see F Society anymore in this season we see the flip side people aren't really um reveling in times square uh, they're marching they're demonstrating they're saying our streets our streets and this is what elliot is kind of uh in the in in the midst of with mr robot limping around having been beaten up and elliot says i know you killed him just tell me what happened to tyrell and mr robot slams elliot into a very symbolic i think giant led sign of an american flag and says i'm sick of your whining it's not going to change anything yeah and elliot is trying to get us to help yeah uh, say please. something make him you tell have me. to do something you have to help me say something make him tell me and mr robot's like stop talking to them yeah. hello mr robot can hear that <laughs> yes yeah i they cannot help us we yeah. have to do this together just us yeah turns out it's not just us unless he's also meaning the family uh, because suddenly, as Elliot has been seeing throughout the season, he's been seeing visions of his mother and his younger self. Here they are now with the Mr. Robot side on their team. They are a threesome right now. Yeah, no Darlene, as we talked about, but Dar and, and Elliot's mom has been a problem 
for Elliot throughout this series in this scene. She's not. She's supportive. She's trying to tell him do the right thing. Uh, you know, he's right. She's trying to do good things. She's kind of hugging close young Elliot. Even young Elliot has his own voiceover, Josh. He says, you're holding, hurting the whole family. And his lips don't move as he's saying this. Yeah. So it's in a young Elliot's head. We have a hold the door type moment of this sort of <laughs> through time synergy of one character and another. This is fantastic. Uh, and Elliot's saying, no, this isn't my family. This isn't real in voiceover. Mr. Robot's pointing out that who he's talking to isn't real either. Uh, and, and Mr. Robot, this whole concept of reality and who is real and who isn't, because Elliot's challenging Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot really tees off on probably the, uh, I mean, it's very kind of on the nose, but it is a classic well, he's rant about, a lot about of reality. St- yes. He's talking about a lot of stuff that Elliot has himself expressed. Exactly. I believe, in the very first episode of the season, Mr. Robot is, he's say, you know, saying like, is any of this real? You know, pills, advertising, food, social networks. Uh, you know, I'm as real as the beef patty in a Big Mac. Yeah. And this is basically, you know, a call out to a lot of what Elliot was saying during his therapy session with Krista, or at least was saying to us, revealing to us, if not actually to Krista. Exactly. Exactly. It is a mirror of that internal monologue. And this is Elliot's internal monologue as represented by Mr. Robot saying a lot of the same things. By the way, when you watch, when we watched this live, when it aired uh, in, in sequence last fall or at the end of last summer, they bleeped out Big Mac. They, I mean, that shows the world we live in where you couldn't make a direct call out against McDonald's or mention their name in the episode where you show someone shooting themselves in the head right. on camera. Like that's what deserves to be bleeped out uh, or will be have to because of the corporate kind of connections. So, I mean, I think that that only underscores the points Mr. Robot is making in general. This, this is a sort of rant, even though it is Elliot's own thoughts and even though we've heard him say it before, it's lost on Elliot in this moment. He wants to be alone. He screams. He does shut everything out, including everyone in Times Square, Josh. And that now all of a is sudden, a superpower yeah. that I desire. Yes. Oh, that would be great, right? <laughs> if you could just vanilla sky it anytime you wanted. Well, what do you think it is? Is it that there were all these people there to begin with and now Elliot is just able to ignore them all? Or was the place empty? Probably the first, right? Yeah, I'm not sure they ever went to Times Square, if you want my honest opinion. I don't know that that scene ever really occurred the way it did. I think all of that could be Elliot's head. This, he could have been at his apartment the whole time or after the coffee shop. I just I don't know that we were ever in Times Square. However, if we are in Times Square, it's definitely the former. It's packed with people. Elliot does not make them disappear. No, and he can't make everybody disappear either. Uh, Mr. Robot, his mother, and his younger self are on the big screen in Times Square. And he's like, I want you to leave. But young Elliot says, we're not leaving. We're yeah. within you. We can never leave. Uh, and so it's this moment here of sort of breaking for Elliot, as if he isn't already so broken, of he can shut out a lot. And he really can, you know, he can control his maze to a large degree, but he has now found out that he is not alone in the maze. When he thought he was this entire time, there are people who live within this maze and he's not necessarily the master of it. This is a real world-breaking moment for him. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think that this is kind of the moment that that it it sort of does break. And he kind of just falls down and says, ultimately, tell me what to do. Tell me what I need to do. And Mr. Robot then tells him exactly what to do. And he says, you're going to start listening to us. Here's what I need you to do. Go home. You know, walk to the subway, get on your train, get off at your stop, sit at your computer, watch and enjoy the beautiful carnage we've all created together.
Yeah. Enjoy this, yeah. basically. Yeah, enjoy this. Uh, enjoy this very good thing that we have done. Um, Elliot's version of that includes the Alabama Shake song, Sound and Color, playing title track of their uh, most recent album, Great Song. Uh, we see kind of a montage of real-world characters, Obama, Biden, heads of state, Occupy Wall Street, protests from the EU and Greece, and footage from all around the world uh, that is being kind of lumped in with this F-Society fallout. Uh, and we hear this pounding on Elliot's door, like we've heard several times throughout uh, this season. The difference is we don't know who's at the other side of the store by the time the episode ends. Yeah, I mean, this has happened a lot, as you just said. You know, we've heard loud knocking on the door in Elliot's place before. Before We've seen that Mr. Robot has been on the other end. I believe Darlene at certain points. Shayla. Shayla at certain points. So it's really like there's a lot of candidates for who could be on the other side of the store. But it's the big cliffhanger with Elliot. It's like, who has come for Elliot? Um, is it just Mr. Robot coming in to be like, yeah, all right, see what we did? Like, can we now talk about it? Is it Tyrell? Is well, this- yeah, in the previous episode, Tyrell snuck in the door with his finger on his lips, shushing Elliot. So he does not enter typically by pounding on the door. Then again, I mean, <laughs> given what could have happened in the past three days, he might want to come in with a heavier hand. Yeah. Uh, and that heavier hand would still be wearing murder gloves, I assume. Yes, murder gloves are very important to yeah. uh, the Tyrell ensemble, if you will. Yes. Uh, is this is somehow related to Lenny Michael? Is it the police? Exactly. Uh, from that affair? Like, that's my kind of pet theory. Because you introduced that at the beginning of this episode, and then that's, that loose end is never closed within this episode. So that's part of it. Maybe it's Gideon? Like, that would also be something where he would probably know where Elliot lived and have a lot of things to say to Elliot and be wondering what's going on. So that's also a possibility. I think, the, you know, there are a lot of things. It's also possible it's not happening. So that's the other thing. Yeah, so there's a lot going on there that I don't think that we have enough to concretely say who's on the other side of that door. Uh, but hold that door because we will be talking about that very much, I'm sure, when season two picks up. Yeah, and I think we'll hit that in our uh, preview for season two. Uh, things we're looking forward to in season two, loose ends, uh, stories we're tracking. I think that who's knocking on the door is a big one, and we'll certainly talk about this again. 100%. So that's the total, Hondo. complete, final moment of the episode, right? Like no, it cuts well, to the credits, and then since you, you never sit through the credits, you could just hop out, right? Like that's the end of the episode. That's the final scene. No, uh, I think a lot no. of people. Uh, no, it's not. It's I think, not. I think a lot of people miss this. Uh, from what I've seen uh, in comment sections on Reddit, different places on the internet, a lot of people didn't miss this. So they didn't realize when this episode first aired that we have almost a Marvel Studios-esque post-credits scene. Because Do you think that Nick Fury is somewhere at this Illuminati party? Oh, definitely. Recruiting right? someone to the Avengers? Tony Stark is the most likely person to be there, I think. Very uh, true. Very good and, point. And there's a... I mean, Sam Esmail is there. Uh, you can see him uh, in this. Is By the way, Sam Esmail directed this episode along with episode seven and episode two of the first season. He is directing every episode of season two. If every episode of season two gets close to the direction in this episode, we're in for a real treat because this final scene is a total single take one or kind of one shot, no editing, where we start from outside this beautiful like Golden Coast, Gatsby era, Long Island estate uh, where we're pulling up at night. Very reminiscent of Eyes Wide Shut yet again. Uh, We see an Asian man get out of a car. We follow him into this dimly lit kind of uh, really just beautifully uh, appointed. Uh, place where people from all over the world are there. We have sheikhs. We have people of different dress from Africa. Um, There's really no women there except the cocktail waitresses and a woman playing the harp. 
She's playing Nearer My God to Thee, Josh. Uh, do you know what that song is infamous for? No, you tell me. It's the song that allegedly played while the Titanic was sinking. Ah. Uh, the band of the Titanic played this song to try to calm people down as they were plunging to their death. So this is what uh, this is what's happening uh, in this scene. There's a, a beautiful fire on, uh, and we see Philip Price sitting by the fire. The Asian man approaches him and sits down. We still haven't cut, and Philip Price starts talking. Yeah, all right. So Philip Price is, you know, he's sitting there, and he's just looking exhausted. You know, considering the confident image we saw of the guy in his conversations with Angela and talking about how when you have a company as big as mine in your corner, you'll find that a lot of situations crack under that weight wait, he is the one who looks like he's cracking a little bit. Like, it's just been a long day for this guy. Yeah, uh, and he's in this sort of weird, uh, whether it's an Illuminati or secret society or whatever you want to call it, setting. But he's all by himself, sitting by the fire and kind of exasperated when he sees this Asian man approach. Yeah, and so the man approaches and says, you know, I know, well, first Philip says, what's on your mind? And he says, I know you're not without your troubles, but we still haven't discussed the Colton mines. Oh, yes, Colton mines, very important. Those are the mines that uh, either quit or... uh, have problems in the middle <laughs> Maybe of, we're medevaced. Yes, we don't know about those we don't mines. Know. But yeah, those are the Colton mines. Uh, and, you know, Philip Price is like, are you really bringing that up at a time like this? I was like, I, you asked. I answered succinctly. Yeah, and as we are going to come to realize, uh, the succinct part is very key there. Uh, Philip's not, not having it. Says, well, perhaps I was too hasty. I'd like for a moment to take in the music. Besides, plenty of other items on our agenda. The effing Congo can wait. So these are people that are discussing not just... The, you know, knowing that Philip is not without his troubles, but world issues, mines in the Congo, like that's the kind of business that is being done at this very well-appointed mansion. So this seems to be an upper crust group for sure. The 1% of the 1% that Elliot has mentioned earlier uh, from the premiere episode. Yeah, definitely. And this conversation continues where the man says, clearly your troubles are weighing very heavily on you. And I'm not sure why I was told that, you know, who's responsible. Yeah. And we talked about this Phillips response is yes yes of course we do and we'll handle that person as we usually do and then you know he's uh, saying well you know what you also seem a little preoccupied mystery man yeah the mystery man does not believe in preoccupation we still haven't seen the mystery man's face at this point uh the shot has sort of uh you know spun around the room gone over philip price's shoulder it's now backing its way towards the asian man who does not believe in preoccupation and says ah it's more of an observation And the observation is the infamous Emperor Nero played an instrument very similar to the one she's playing, the lyre, and legend has it that he played it merrily as he watched... And beep, then, beep, 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 beep. Yes, the word watch makes the watch beep on the Asian man, and that's when we realize this is White Rose. This is White Rose, B.D. Wong in the house. Yeah, this is B.D. Wong uh, in the flesh, in the male flesh, not presenting as a female transgender uh, person. uh, That is what White Rose uh, presents as, and we know we've seen White Rose in that form. This is a non-White Rose version of White Rose. The watch, though, makes it very clear, as does the non-belief in preoccupation, as does the succinct answer. Uh, But this is White Rose meeting with Philip Price, Josh. And says, uh, as he watched what? He says, as he watched Rome burn. Yep, and then that's the end of the episode. So is White Rose right now watching someone play an instrument like the lyre, merrily watching as Rome is burning? Yeah, or is Philip Price doing that? You know, is right. that Philip Price observing that, or is, is White Rose observing that Philip Price 
is doing that? And what is their greater relationship, Josh? Clearly, they work together on things like the Colton mines. Uh, so they're in an alliance of two of some sort uh, to deal with Colton. But we don't know what their greater relationship is. And look, White Rose was instrumental to the hack. Yes, the... without White Rose in the Dark Army, this is not happening right now. Yes, so does White Rose possess the encryption, the de-encryption key? Uh, does White Rose possess the ability to unlock this data is white rose making a play against philip price uh and to try to blame it all on elliot um what is the larger discussion in play here and is this why philip price is not ultimately that upset because he thinks it can be solved and you know we can consolidate and all of that but should he be upset because white rose is holding a trump card that he doesn't know about it's very important you know this revelation which is very mystifying in the moment and is still mystifying now but one of the, the core truths that's revealed here is that a central player in the hack against Evil Corp also has upper crust ties to Evil Corp. Um, White Rose is dancing in both sides of the war. And what that means, who knows? Uh, but the possibilities are very, very big. And the, the ability for White Rose to really tip this thing one way or another, to tip it back into Evil Corp's court, it exists. Um, what White Rose wants, what White Rose is after, why White Rose did this to begin with, and what White Rose can do next. These, for me, are some of the biggest questions of Mr. Robot going forward. Yeah, I agree completely. And we already knew that a central player in the hack, Tyrell Wellick, had connections to Evil Corp. But this is something entirely different. This is uh, just out of left field, like a jaw dropper. Like, wait a minute. This party who was sort of an independent actor who has been mentioned as with the Dark Army as being somebody who works with terrorists and shadow groups and doesn't always have the best motivations uh, is is in bed with Philip Price. Not quite literally, but sitting by the fire, uh, re relaxing in this weird sort of, I don't know what it is, country club for the upper 1% of the upper 1% or whatever it is, uh, they're in cahoots. They're in league together. They work together on things like the Colton Mines. They have an agenda. That includes a lot of items, as Philip Price says. So where does Evil Corp play into this? And on the macro level, where does Elliot play in? Uh, is he part of White Rose's plan in a positive way? Is White Rose using Elliot uh, as a patsy? We thought Elliot might be using Tyrell as a patsy. So there's a lot of this shifting kind of relationships that are present here. Fantastic character. I don't know if White Rose has been added as a regular, if BD Wong has been added as a regular I for do season not believe two. So. I don't want to know. I just want White Rose to pop up unexpectedly like this because it's a jaw dropper for sure. Yeah, it's very good stuff. It's a hell of a way to end a hell of a season of television. And Antonio... We've rewatched all of Mr. Robot now. We have. This, I mean, look, that's not the first time, probably won't be the last that I've sure. rewatched season one of Mr. Robot. Very rewarding to rewatch it. As many questions as there are answers. I can't wait to watch season two, then rewatch season one with all the knowledge that we have from season two. That We're going to do that, right? Next summer, Josh, we're going to re-record these podcasts that's with our exactly, season two knowledge. exactly what we are going two to do. Two separate spoiler sections, yes. a season one spoiler it's, section yeah, and a season two a, spoiler a section. A spoiler section within the the spoiler section. Oh, that is, I love this. The The 1% of the 1% of spoilers will be yes. will be playing out. That's yeah. what we're looking at. Yep. Yeah, this is great. Can't wait for next summer. It's going to be The fun. rewatch of the rewatch. But I'm really excited for this summer because as awesome as it has been to go through Mr. Robot Season 1, now we have armed ourselves with the knowledge. It's all fresh in our heads as we are about to dive into Season 2, which is just around the corner. 
Also just around the corner, a little more elaboration on our thoughts going into season two. We're going to make some predictions. We're going to follow out some theories. We're going to play some things out. So many loose ends. Plant flags, as Antonio likes to say and yes. do. Uh, we will do that in our season two preview show coming up in just a little bit. For now, leaving uh, Zero Day, leaving this episode behind, any final thoughts that you would like to express here? Or would you like to save them for the preview show? No, I just I think you really capture it when you talk about how this is almost the beginning of a new story uh this whole episode and it is mr robot as we know it is over um we are at the very very beginning of a very different world uh and that's that's both exciting and a little bit terrifying in terms of the story itself and the stakes of the world but also a little scary in terms of like what are we getting into now with mr robot now that the world has been changed f society did what they set out to do um and it doesn't look like it played super cleanly um what are the ramifications of that? How does that get played out? I feel like we are heading into like a post-apocalyptic world as we started to glimpse here in this final episode of the season. Um, so that's very exciting and very scary stuff that we're about to get into with season two. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, the the confidence and the bravado of, of the show planting its own flag and boldly going in this direction uh, in their season finale. It can't be really undersold. Like there are a lot of, I think, shows that, that do a layup or take the easy way out in their season finale it would have been easy for mr robot to make a very different season finale but this season finale truly boldly takes a path that is leading us down a different direction as you're saying major props to everyone involved for making those choices it's why this show uh, exists in a different world than other shows uh that are out there right now it is at why it's at the highest echelon it's not making easy choices it's not doing easy things it's doing it in a very beautiful way. The song selection's great. The acting is great. The cinematography is great. This is an Aces show across the board. Can't recommend it enough. So this is normally where we do the spoiler section, but as mentioned, there is no spoiler section this time. We are all in the dark, moving forward the together. Spoiler alert: Elliot is Mr. Robot. <laughs> yeah, that is how that's happened. That's yes. We are living in that world right yes, now. Yeah, yeah. So no spoiler section. This is just the end of the podcast. We'll be back with a season two preview in a little while. Just to reemphasize from before, please subscribe if you have not already. Postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes is the way to do that. Yeah, if you've enjoyed our podcast throughout the season, that's the best way to support what we're doing. Subscri- subscribe and leave us reviews. Uh, that will help the podcast more than anything that you can do. So we really appreciate that. Uh, hashtag, do we got anything that comes to mind for you? Oh, I don't know. People are probably saying one at this point, but I haven't. I, I totally missed. We out had Tyrellia. Tyrellia, yeah, that's not bad. That's pretty good. We have Cluster F Society at yeah, the beginning. I like those. Uh, so either one of those will do. Tweet those our way. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. How many Z's? How many R's in that? Two Z's, one R, and uh, two A's. Okay, that's yeah. right. And I am at Round Howard. We will be back very soon with our season two preview. But Mr. Robot Road is complete and now it is time for the road toward season two one more podcast to go take care everybody